It was always there, but something in the way the light changed. Or maybe you had never looked from this angle. Or maybe it was when you looked, when you laughed for the last time, and you saw it. Or maybe someone had finally turned to you, stopped, looked long enough, and then said something that let you know what a strong connection had always been between the two of you. Whatever they saw on the mountain, it had always been there. The full resonance of God's presence. When Jesus had touched people, they were healed. Troubled, distraught minds were calmed. Things happened when he spoke. People got up and followed him. Others realized what they had hoped, or couldn't even hope, was true. And then on the mountain, in a place remote and distant from people's needs, opinions, enthusiasms, and suspicions, there Jesus prays, and what had been there all the time was visible. Peter, James, his brother John were there, and they saw what they had not yet put into words. Peter had tried. The Gospels all tell this story in the same context. Jesus had fed 5,000 in the wilderness with two loaves and five fish. His disciples had been sent ahead by boat at night. In the midst of a storm, he walks to them on the water at night. Eight days ago, as Luke tells it, In response to Jesus' question, Peter says, You are the Christ, the Son of the living God. But Peter didn't grasp what that meant. When Jesus goes on to announce for the first time what would happen in Jerusalem, Peter took him aside and began to explain how things should be, and that didn't include betrayal, judgment, and the cross. It was there, but Peter didn't see it. Glory shone in that moment on the mountain. The full triune God, the incarnate Son, the Spirit's presence overshadowing them in the brilliant cloud, the Father's voice. Whatever beauty that moment held, they glimpsed Jesus. And it had always been there. There was the gentle light of a star at his birth. The voice spoke as it did at the baptism in Jordan. His teaching and ministry were all signs of the Holy Spirit's power to transform. What they saw wasn't like some computer-generated super transformer spectacle. He didn't suddenly become 10 feet tall and there weren't outlandish weapons or thunderbolts in his hands. The glory of the mountain still left Jesus standing there. In the flesh he'd assumed at the incarnation, Jesus would still have to walk down the mountain one step at a time, seeking a path not blocked by stones or with rocks that would cascade under his feet. Those rocks were real, and so were his feet. After his resurrection, they would even mistake him for the gardener. This glory, the brilliance of this moment, shone from the reality that had always been there, the brilliant light, the voice that said, listen, the cloud of glory, it was Jesus they were called to see and to hear. If you want convincing proof or undisputable power, the incarnation, Christ's life among us, will not seem like enough. 
If you simply want good advice, a confirmation that things are exactly as you'd like them to be, that there's not much more than you can manage, control, or count, then the Gospels, this moment, will be too wondrous and too mysterious for you. When Jesus heals or restores lives, when he walks free of the tomb, it will all seem too much. Jesus seems always to be less than our fantasies and more than our expectations. The glory of the transfiguration, the brilliant light that shone on that mountain, the presence of God in the word made flesh had always been there. The full depth of sorrow, suffering, and the burden of human sin that had been taken into God's own hand, the self-loving, the self-giving love that led Christ to come, not to be served, but to serve, to give his life as a ransom for many, that love had been there all along as well. The glory of God in the face of Jesus, brilliant on the Mount of Transfiguration, crowned with thorns and bruised on Mount Calvary, it had always been there. What we don't know and haven't grasped yet The beauty we haven't seen, the suffering we cannot yet face, it was there all along, and it redeems the world, changing where we stand with God and with each other. Who is Jesus? When Peter answered the question, just before this moment, he got it right and he got it wrong. John the Baptist had sent disciples asking, are you the one who was to come? His mother and brothers came and tried to take him home. Don't you think that you might have more to see, to understand, to hear from the Gospels, from participating in the sacraments, from trying to live out what we believe? It has been there all along, and daily we are able to see and to hear. There is a beauty and a glory on that mountaintop, and for all its brilliance, it had always been there. There is a depth of love and compassion in the cross, a willingness to carry our griefs, and that is the eternal truth of who God is. When God takes human flesh in Jesus, there is a world of beauty and a depth of suffering. In the brilliant light of the transfiguration, the darkened sun of Good Friday, we can hardly bear to look at either. Christ's strong hand embraces both. What can you see this morning? What does God ask you to hear? The gospel is true, no cleverly devised myth, but it is a thing of beauty and wonder that we will never finish seeing, hearing, or understanding until we stand in glory. The gospel has a power to delight, to correct, to sustain, to convict us of sin, and assure us of forgiveness. We know it enough to be here. And we know that as we continue to walk up the mountain or through dark valleys, there is more that God can say and more that grace can give. Listen, the voice says, because for all that you've heard, for all that you have found, there is more. So we stand today at the transfigured glory or in the presence of those arms stretched wide on the hard wood of the cross We stand before the full mystery of God's love for us and for creation. And then there'll be time to go back down the mountain, 
working our way along rocky paths or delighting the vistaed offers, but still going back, carrying what we have heard and seen. There is a wonder to life and a potential for delight that someone needs to name. This world can be a place of joy, and it might be that you can point someone else to transfigured beauty. Human life, our frail bodies are capable of so much, what we can create, the kindness we can offer, an ability to strive and to endure and to, to do all of that conscious of God's own presence. That is part of what we are called to see and to name, to do and to offer as disciples. The world is God's creation. Heaven and earth are full of thy glory. We sing those words every time we come to this altar, and we live those words. We walk alert and listening for God's glory in the midst of our lives. Having stood by the cross, we can stand with someone's grief, frustration, or pain to relieve suffering when we can, to share it when that is all the only gift we have to offer. We have been to the mountaintop. We have seen and heard Christ so that we know that glory shines even in ordinary bodies and that death, though it is real, is not the end. And if, like the disciples, we have seen and heard more than we can speak, we can live, live in the hope that comes from standing by the cross and the joy that comes in the light of Christ's glory in his face. Once you've seen the wonder of what had always been there, you can live and speak nothing less. Amen.